And what, what's life like on an Aboriginal mission? Uh, it's tough. Um, you know, I've, I'm fortunate enough that I, I grew up with, you know, a family, um, loving parents, but, um, you know, there's alcohol, drugs, um, you know, fights that my dad would be called up for to go break up. Um, and these are just these men, women, um, you know, partners. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't unusual to walk to walk around and seeing um, women with black eyes. Um, you know, I remember going to school and we were, what fifteen, sixteen, and girls were coming to school with black eyes, and. You know, I'd never seen anything like that before, but um, no one questioned it, which um, I guess it's the norm there, but um, yeah, it's not the way you know, people would live, people, people live, I guess. What's, um, have you had a lot of experience with Aboriginal missions? Yeah, yeah, so we, um when I was young, we lived, or we got moved into town into West Palmer, so we had Cabbage Tree Island. And when they wanted to start moving everyone off Cabbage Tree Island out of the mission, they moved them into West Palmer. So they pretty much just made another little Aboriginal mission close to the town. Sorry, I just got a message. Yeah, so I was going to bring that up. We, apparently, we had no sound at the start. So okay. we, we might want to bring up again. And I thought for the viewers who don't know, they might not know that Willie Tonga was a, a rugby league player for the majority of his life um, okay so apologies we lucky we've found out mr jack whittaker who's actually rob's dad was the one that messaged me saying there's um no sound on the podcast so i have willie tonga with us robert whittaker and eli hedges <coughs> apologies for for that all good will um so now we do have sound yes we have sound. How, how long ago did we catch the sound um when dave came Okay. So we might have missed out about the start, but yeah. Well, we were just re just now we were discussing with with the Aboriginal missions. So you you we'll, we'll go. We'll, we're going to be here for a while, so we're going to yeah. come backwards and forwards. So what were you saying, Eli? So I was just saying. So what they wanted to do is move everyone off the mission of Cabbage Tree Island and get them do you mean start to separate them a little bit, um, so they weren't so segregated up there. So, so you grew up on the mission. No, no. So we, I grew up in West Palina. So when they moved everyone, they moved them all to West Palina. And then that just turned into maybe just another mini mission. So it was the place that no one wanted to go. It sort of turned out that West Barnum was a, the West Barnum Bridge and no one wanted to cross there. Do you know what I mean? So when you went to school and that, the kids would be like, oh, you don't cross that bridge or you don't go, do you know what I mean, there and that. So um, it probably wasn't a, a mission as in um, how Cabo was. Do you know what I mean? Mission managed and had a manager there and, and the people, you know, how they live there. But when they tried to, move them into the town, it sort of created that same sort of, like Willie said, do you know what I mean? I remember the police wouldn't come down. Do you know what I mean? They would, wouldn't dare drive up Brampton Avenue, which was my street, they just wouldn't do it. Um, just regular violence, always drinking, but it was just the norm. It was for us what we what we seen as normal. Um, do you know what I mean? People who had, who had money or had cars, they didn't have jobs. 
do you know what I mean? They were they were doing other shady stuff, and that 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 was I don't know. Growing up, that was normal, and and I think a lot of the missions or or in small communities and that, unfortunately, it's it's the case sometimes. Um, your your dad is your dad Samoan Tongan or is your mum Samoan Tongan? No, nah, my dad's Tongan. My okay. mum's Aboriginal. Yeah. All right. So, because uh, on Wikipedia it said that your dad was Samoan as well. Really? Yeah. Well, I believe you, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a law case. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to get on to that. Yeah. Now, nah, um, full Tongan. Um, he moved over um, early eighties. Um, my mum's from Peak Hill, like just outside of Dubbo. Um, don't know how they met. Oh, you don't know how your folks met? I don't, nah. I, I don't, nah, I haven't really asked that many questions. Like, we've moved around quite a bit when we were younger, and I haven't even asked those questions, like, why? Like, we moved down to, to Victoria, you know, like, um, and my memories of that was, like, just picking oranges or, you know, um, go out and picking grapes and, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure why we moved down there, whether it was because there was no work um, and, you know, there's always, there's always work needed, you know, around those, um, you know, picking oranges or um, grapes or fruit or whatever. You played, you played for Queensland and for Australia in, in rugby league, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Um, what, was, what was that like? What's, what's the difference between origin level and club level football? I, I don't know if you can explain it. I, what's harder? From, at origin and club level? Mm, no, yeah. No, or, no origin. Or international. Yeah. <clears throat> to be honest, I've, I've played harder club games than international games. Um... Yeah, it's just, you know, some, you know, we were fortunate enough to to play against some teams that, um, you know, weren't as experienced or, um, how do I put it, like, on the same level as as what the NRL boys are. And, and Origin, what's that like? Um, that's another level altogether. It's like... It's like you go on in, you, it's like you, you hate that, you hate that person. Where in club level, like, you know, you're competitive, you want to beat them. But in origin, you know, you've got the whole state behind you. And and, and it's real, that puts that much pressure on you? Uh, me personally, I, I did yeah, I didn't feel the pressure. I knew, well... That's a lie. He doesn't the look pressure, like it affects him. Pressure, the, the, MIJ, the, like. pressure, the pressure is you've got to do your job. Yeah. If you don't do your job, then you're gonna you're gonna potentially lose the game because you've got Cam Smith, JT, Darren Lockyer. Um, you know when I was coming through, like um, Petro. You know those boys, like. They're veterans. They're like, they're the best of the best. So, the pressure's more on, on you, to perform for the for the team. Not you don't even worry about, the the state or whatever. It's um. Do figures like that, um, push you to to a new level, like do they kind of, 
make you want to be better than you are? Like, does it does it draw out that sort of enthusiasm to to play harder? Um, when you when you play in Origin, yeah, yeah, um, hundred percent. Let's like I'm. I remember, um, so I got my call up. Um, we were playing the Roosters back in 2004. Um, Justin Hodges got, he got suspended. And then I got caught into camp. Brent Tate got ruled out medically. And so no one told me that I was playing until I had to work it out. Like, I, I seriously had to work it out. Like, like what do you what do you mean? There was no there was no other centers. There was just me and like um, Paul Bowman. Um, I didn't even I honestly didn't even know. Um, no one told me. Um, when did you find out? The next day at training when I'm slotted into left center. <laughs> and how 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 long before the game was that? Um, now that was the next day. That was the next day, but yeah, I'm I'm still thinking that I'm 18th man, like I'm you know just chilling, sitting, going to be watching the game. But still, I was buzzing even just to get that call. Um, Rob, you know, look when Willie's talking about uh, playing, like you say, he's playing for Queensland. He's got the whole state behind him and and just the new level. When you fight at home versus you fight um, overseas, what's that like? Yeah. Um it, it's different. It, it is a very different beast. You know, um, a lot of my memories, my, one of the most significant memories I have is fighting in, in Melbourne in that stadium there. When you fought Brunson. When I fought Brunson. And um, to have to have like a home crowd, like roaring and cheering for you, it just, it's electrifying. Like you, you can feel it. You does it put more it pressure on you? It, it does in a sense that, I think, I think leading up to it, not, not, not of, I think like, it might be the same for you like in in the moment you're just worrying about you you just got to do your stuff you know you just you got to do what you're trained for you just got to do yeah. that in the lead up there's more pressure because i'm receiving text messages from every one of my cousins going hey can we get tickets oh hey i'm coming down it's like one bloke i worked with once in like 2005 goes uh hey can we get down and <laughs> can, can, can we yeah can we come watch and stuff or like that, it, it, and that that adds pressure onto it, you know. Um, not so much once you're there. Once you're there, like it is what it is. Um, you said you had when I think that we didn't catch the volume, but you said before you had eight inju- eight eight surgeries. Eight. You said just you had on my knees, yeah. Just on your knees, yeah. And and you had more surgeries. Yeah, I've had five uh, five on my right knee three on my left what ricos or would you uh medial meniscus and um just like cartilage repairs so uh, my right knee's bone on bone now um so i can't really run um i've had both shoulders reconstructed um and then another one cleaned out so three three shoulder operations um i've had my back done what would you get done on your back um so i had a, a bulging disc l5 s1 yep um that was pushing up against the nerve and i'd wake up some mornings and um i couldn't i couldn't stand up straight not like i couldn't i couldn't walk um 
but you know would you get it fused what what happened would you do yeah they i just they just went in shaved it off um shaved the bone that was pushing up against the nerve and um well literally as soon as i woke up out of hospital i could walk like you know when a anesthetic wore off i was i was good i could i could walk straight away uh, pain free how mad is that <laughs> and because like sometimes i've had that once i had a knee surgery once and i was fucked when i walk walked in and then i did the surgery and then i had movement because i hadn't been able to move it like my knee had been locked basically and um then I, I woke up and i could move my knee and i was like look at me it makes you think like how bad the damage must have been for for that to happen because you know usually you get a you get surgery and then you're sore and you're stiff and then it starts to come good and you're like oh okay it's all right but for for you guys to have that instant relief and gratification from the surgeries like wow the worst thing is is when you pull out a training and they don't think you're legit like they think well you you wrote a book on that on that you pull out a training and people don't think you're legit (laughs) no one believes me anymore i've ran out of excuses i've got a book of excuses yeah Yeah, but it's it's really like that you know you don't want to pull out because um you know what what the players are going to think or what you think the players are going to think or what you think the coaches are going to think um and i remember the session that i pulled out of we had to do um that's what it's called a, a bennett test i don't know if yeah yeah so you run 20 40 60 run that five times and i couldn't do it and um pulled out like oh here we go and then i went and saw the physios i said um you know try to try to rub me down whatever just give me treatment but they didn't really take me seriously and then they that was for your back yeah for my back yeah and so i went and saw the sur- uh the surgeon and he goes yeah, we need to... Who was the surgeon at the time? Uh, Dr. Waller. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think he works out of Westmead. Um, yeah, he said, we need, a, we need to operate on this, like, straight away. And so I'm like... Um, it, it sort of... It makes you sort of feel a little bit better because you can say to the trainers, yeah, I'm not... You know, I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the coaching staff and the trainers, hey, is how you feel as well. Because I think some coaches will just go tough it up. Do you know what I mean? I don't believe you because I think week in week out they they come across excuses all the time. Do you know what I mean? We've got a fitness test. Someone's hammy's automatically playing up. We've got contact. My shoulder's feeling a bit sore from the weekend. So it's hard to sort of do you know what I mean? Just which people are, are really injured or which ones. Uh, yeah, my coach at the time was Ricky Stewart, so... Um, Tough nut. Yeah, he's a hard man. Um, and actually, um, before he saw, when, when he just signed, um, I was in Bali, and he, I must have been uploading some pictures or whatever, and then I come back um, with new tattoos, like blonde hair and then he's like nah I don't want you like so he rang my manager to try to get me out of that club and then um, we sat down had a meeting he goes I don't want you here like um, you're going to be playing reserve grade the whole year if you stay 
and I'm like, well, I'm not going. And I think at the time they were trying to get uh, Israel Folau. Um I told him, you know, I'm, I'm not going. I'm, if if that's the case, and, I, and he, if you don't put me in first grade, then I'll, I'll play reserve grade. You know, like I don't, I don't think that I'm I'm, I'm above playing reserve grade if if I have to. Um, and then a couple of weeks into training, um, and this is not I'm not trying to talk myself up or anything. I remember him saying that um, if he was to pick a side um, that day, that I would be the first one he chose. So I, I, I think it goes back to I, I knew how to, I knew when to train hard and how to train hard. But then I knew to how to party as well, which is. Um, Are story, you a big partier, Will? The story. Now, ever. Let's start with before. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, my first drink was when I was 20, 19 or 20. Well, that's the first time I, um, I had a drink. Um, and I, I always, always said to myself, I'll, I'll never drink. Um, well, I always told myself I'd never drink. And so, um, you know, I got brought down as a 17-year-old, um, and so 18, wasn't going to the clubs. I'd be up till like 2 o'clock at night, icing my knees, icing my shoulders or whatever, while the other boys are out clubbing. Like, I, that didn't interest me. I just had one focus, and that was to make first grade. Um, and then I said, and then I said to myself, I'll drink once, I'm, once I feel that. I'm an established first grader. Um, moved to the Bulldogs in 2004. Um, pretty loose crew there. Um, Willie Mason, uh, Rennie Matua, um, Sonny back in back in the day, Sonny Bill, um, Rui Azatasi. We had a yeah a good group, but um, we knew how to party. But at the same time, um, it was like. You train hard, play hard, party hard. That was it. You you spoke about Rennie Matua. He's a close friend of yours. Yeah. Um, I watched the thing on the footy show in regards to mm-hmm. to him. Um, do you want to tell us about that a little bit in in relation to what you guys said, what you guys spoke about on the footy show that in, in that particular day about um, I think Rennie's battle with. Uh, depression and the suicide attempt yeah so back in 2014 uh, yeah 2014 um, you know I, I was sitting up it would have been 1 2 o'clock in the morning um, and we had training the next morning so I, I don't even know why I was up like I, I should have been in bed um, anyway I, I got a text message of um, an unknown number. Oh, no, I started getting calls off an unknown number. Then I got a text message. Hey, Will, um, it's Megan. Uh, it was Rennie's sister. Like you know, um, and Rennie had been sending her text messages. You know, saying, um, you know, I love yous. Tell everybody I love yous. You know, tell the kids. Um, tell his nieces and nephews that I love them. And I knew that he'd been out that night, 
and um, he, he was in Manly that night. So, um, yeah, so I started to panic. Like, hearing, like, when she forwarded the message um, to me, I'm thinking, it's. Yeah. When she forwarded those messages, I'm thinking, yeah, this, he's not in a good place. Um, and so I'm thinking that he wouldn't answer my calls. Like, it was ringing, but he wouldn't answer my calls. And so I'm thinking, like, what. I'm just sitting there, what do I do? And then. He lived about, I lived in Homebush, he lived in Para, about 20 minutes away. So, um, threw on some clothes, you know, drove there as quick as I can to his house. Um, and then I saw a light, I saw his bedroom light on and I heard music playing. And so I went, I went like, so he's got a balcony um, just outside his room. And so I was under the balcony yelling up, like, Ren, you know, and I heard the music stop. And so straight away I knew he was there. Like, so I ran around the building. Um, but what was what it like at this point? You knew he was there, you knew the music was on, and you, you knew, but you already knew something was wrong for sure. Yeah, yeah, because of that, like, and I'd spoken to. I'd spoken to Megan. Did you know he was stuff. suffering depression at the time? No, nah, not at all. And I'd, I'd, I've known Ren since 2004. Ren's one of those people that... Um, he's the life of the party. He walks in a room and, you know, brightens a place up. Like, he makes training fun. You know, like, he's one of those people that everybody loves. So, um, you know, I'd... I'd consider my like Ren was like a brother, like you know we were one of like he'd be one of my best mates. Um, so all so reading these messages and then speaking to his sister that night, like it didn't make sense. Um, yeah. So after after seeing you said the, the music turned off and you ran music, around. The music turned off. <coughs> I ran around to the front door, so it was a like a a unit block. Um, and you need a you need a swipe to get into that door, and that door happened to be open, and um, and it's never open. So I ran up and went to his unit. Um, went through the door, and then went straight to his room, and then so the door was open too. The door was open, um, and he lived with one of the other boys. Uh, Mitch Allgood, um, who was playing with Para at the time, and um, I ran, I ran to his bedroom door, and when I opened the door, I saw him just at the end of the bed, like literally taking his last breath. So, so when you saw him, he was like in. Had he taken pills or something? Or no, he had um, belt around his neck. Okay. Mm. And so I pushed the door open, run in. No, push the door open, seeing what's going on, and then like was even thinking about it now. I, I still can't believe that you know, like the image that I'm seeing. But he's sitting at the end of the bed, belt around his neck, and so I ran over tackled him 
and then he was sit he was sitting up yeah like he was slumped over like sort of he was holding the belt okay yeah and around his and but he he was sort of slumped over at the end of the bed and he was losing consciousness and i and i've said it before if i had been you know if that door wasn't opened you know downstairs or his unit door or whatever like he wouldn't be here now um you know so yeah it's just i was so fortunate enough to just i don't know what made me go to his house that night because i knew he was in manly and then just with how everything sort of unfolded it's um yeah it's like a kind of like a miracle for it to all happen like that but then i found out later that um when the music was playing, he was writing his, um, like a, a letter, like a... Like a goodbye letter? Yeah, he, w- he was writing that letter. So um, when he heard my voice, he stopped and then, you know, must have, um, you know, grabbed the belt, put it around his neck and um, tried to take his life. Eloy, you said that you knew, um, you know these guys as well because you played football? Yeah, I didn't know them through football. So when I, when I moved down to Sydney, I went and stayed at the Ella Hostel. And then Buddy King was going out with Shannon, who was Willie's cousin at the time. That was in 2000, I think it was your first year over there, 2004, was it? Or... Because I remember helping you move Yeah, 0304. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then I helped Willie in that move over to, when you moved over to Maroubra. Yeah, 04, yeah. Yeah, I remember I was fascinated by Roy Asatasi. He was just thick. And I remember reading a thing that he, he owned the, the strongest bench press in the NRL or something like that. I remember I was fascinated by him. But I saw him at uh, Bikram Yoga once. And he <laughs> yeah. looked like he had to pay for two people. <laughs> like, he's fucking huge. Yeah, he's, he's one of those fellows that, oh, let's go to Macca's. But he'd order, order a salad. <laughs> That's exactly what happened in London one time. We, we had to play um, World Club Challenge. And, um, you know, all the boys like, yeah, we'll go to Macca's or whatever. And then he, he ordered a salad. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But he, um, yeah, he takes care of his body. He's a monster. Yeah. So, so you, you, your, your relationship there? No, so then not so much. Willie moved out. I moved into where he was moving in. He was obviously playing at the Bulldogs and that. I followed him pretty close because my group of friends who was Buddy King and that was going out with his cousin and that at the time. So we always followed his career. Then I became, ended up becoming friends with his brother, pretty good, uh, CC Sione. And then yeah, later on, knowing them through the knockout. Did you know Rennie? Knockout and that. No, no, I didn't know Rennie. I met him over there at Maroubra and that, but didn't know him. Like, yeah, to talk to or anything like that. Just introduced a couple of times. In having knowing now what you know, um, and knowing Rennie the way you knew him, and in retrospect, the things that you learnt, would you say um, you'd be able to see those depressive episodes coming? Not at all. You still even now? Still even now. Um, yeah, he was able to mask it so well. Um, and like he'd have his mood swings, like you know he'd he'd come home from training, and um, you know I'd 
I could see, but like that's just everybody. You know, everybody has off days, and yeah, yeah. Um, you don't think much of it because you know I've known. You know, up until then, I'd known him ten years, and so nothing, nothing was different. You know, but um, you know, I, I guess a lot of the times, you know, people are able to mask it, and then, you know, you find out it's too late. Um, because, like I said, he was the life of the party. He was, he was always, you know, one of the boys that everyone wanted to be around. What's your relationship like with him now? Uh, he moved to he moved to Toronto um, during the year, um, and um, just for like a, a twelve week um, contract. So one of the boys got injured. They asked him to go over. He went over there. They kept him on after that twelve week period, just as like a player manager not a player manager, like a, a football manager. Um, and sort of lost lost contact over the past, maybe, yeah, six months or so. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, just life happens, I guess. Yeah, is he doing okay? He's doing, he's doing good, as, as far as I know, yeah. Was he, was he boxing earlier in the year? He did. He um he had his he made his uh, professional debut in February, I think it was. Yeah. Rob, how many surgeries you had? You had so let, let, let me get let, just let me get this right. You had um, eight on your knees, three on your, that's eleven, twelve with your back. Is that correct? Would that be all your surgeries? And um, my jaw. And your jaw. Yeah. Would you break your jaw? Yeah. Your plate. Yeah. Thirteen injuries, thirteen surgeries. Yeah, um, torn bi- torn my bicep twice. I oh, know. Yeah, my bicep. So, so fourteen, happen? fifteen surgeries. Yeah, I'm sure he could get going if we if he thought about it. But but, but surgeries is not even injuries. I'm talking like so. You had fifteen surgeries in your rugby league career. Yeah. And how how's your body now? Because you're thirty five years old. You look in incredible shape, but how's your um, body? I have days where I. I wake up and you know it takes me about a good thirty minutes to sort of get warmed up. Um, you know I haven't been in a classroom setting since high school, <laughs> so you know yesterday was it, we're in the class for twelve, eleven hours or whatever it was, and um, you know like waking up this morning that was tough. You know getting out of bed, but um, you know I made. I don't know, I, I've just, I've got it in my head that, you know, to train when when you least wanna want to train, if that yeah. makes sense. So like, I didn't wanna train this morning, but you know, I made sure that I set my alarm for 5.30 and then got myself to the gym. Um, if I had, if I was asked if I'd do it again, I don't think I would. Your football career? Mm. Oh, that's interesting because I, I wasn't. I never even thought that actually. So you wouldn't go through it again? I don't think so. No. Well, because of the injuries, or because of other things, or um, injuries and other things, just lifestyle. Yeah, things outside of footy. Like, um, w- like, what do you mean? 
um, things that you get caught up in. Um, you know, I've seen it over the last couple of months that, especially within the NRL, like you're in, you're in such a bubble, you know, like you go to training and that's your only commitments. And then so um, for the rest of the, so you could be done by 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock and then you go home, you got that much, de- you know, downtime, you don't even know what to do with yourself. So, um, you know, there's, there's so many things that I could have done, you know, studied, um, you know, whatever, pick up, picked up hobbies. But, you know, I finished the game with, um, after 16 years, you know, playing at the top level with no qualifications, um, you know, nothing behind me. Um, yeah, so... Is the I support around that better now with the, with the players? What's your objective opinion on that? Um, yeah, it's better. I think, you know, when I was coming through, you'd have people saying, um, you know, you should be, you should be, um, you know, studying or, you know, doing something to, you know, look after, um, to look after yourself when you're, when you're finished because footy's not going to last forever. But, but when you're that young, when you're young, you're, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, you're not even worried about that. You're thinking it's going to last forever. Um, and so, you know, but when you're 30, 31, that's when you start getting a little bit nervous. Like, what am I going to do? And then, um, because when you're 19, 20, 30 is like fucking miles away, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's old. <laughs> yeah. It's old. It's yeah. like, I remember, um, yeah, when, when I came into, when I first went to the Bulldogs, Steve Price, I think he was only 28. And I was 20, but he was old. Yeah, me, especially know? for so, an athlete. Yeah, and so, like, now I'm 35. Um, you know, and you're young, like you're young, like in, in real world life, you just yeah. That's how well. That's how I look at it. Yeah. yeah. But my body feels like it's I'm 50 or 60. Like I'm, I've been told that I'm gonna need a knee replacement in my 50s, which is which incredibly is young. 15 years away. Like that's that's scary to think about. You know, like I I, I don't want to be like I want to be able to you know, wake up and, you know, play with my kids and, you know, kick a footy around. Do you think, without disclosing, like, what you earn, but what you earned, but, like, do you think that the players are financially compensated to the point where you could even begin to say that that it was worth it financially? No. Me, personally, I don't think so. I don't, not even close, but... Not for for what we put our bodies through. Because right. I, I see some of the guys, what they earn, and even if you earn, like, you know, people it norm, the people hear it and they go, oh, $400,000 a year, and you think, well, that's only a small percentage of the guys that even get that. And mm-hmm. even after you get that, there's, like, tax, management fees, et cetera, mm-hmm. da, 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 and it's dwindled down to an amount of money per year that you could get if you were, like, I don't know, a PE teacher and did personal training of an evening, you know what I mean? You probably wouldn't get quite that much, but you'd get close to it you know like it's not really that much money and then the amount like 15 surgeries 
is is in, is incredible. It's not worth it. It really isn't. And like, yeah, I, I've thought about this a lot over the last six months. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'd do it again. How do you feel, Rob? Because you're actually at the you're coming into your very your, the pinnacle of you now, and you're hearing Will talk like this. He's did a, a, a played a collision sport. You obviously do a combat sport. Um, how, what's your take on all that? And wh- how many surgeries and whatnot have you had? Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, this is this is from a perspective of, of from my career and the company I'm with and whatnot. MMA athletes in, in general aren't looked after financially at all, like at all, and they're not looked after in a, in a sense that um, we're not we're not looked after as as, as people. You know, we're not looked after as as, as humans. We look. We're um. We we kind of just barely looked after in a sense of like feeding them, clothing them, making them feel special so that they can make us more money, so that they can go in and do more fights and fight more for us. Can but you explain that? What that means? It's um. It's there's a, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of athletes out there that um, you know, are, are literally fighting, uh, living fight to fight, you know, and that 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 that's that's a horrible way to live, fight to fight. You know, you, with the the thought, it, it's it's like equivalent to if, like they're they're making you play football, but they're not going to pay you unless you win the next game, and you don't have control mm. over that. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't control the whole game yourself. You know, and then even though it's an individual sport, that's something people don't get. Like, yeah, I can't control the fight. Like, I'm going to do my best to take it where I want it to, but shit happens. And this is like, you know, people like I, I like it because there'll be people like criticize Rob this is a guy that's undefeated at middleweight and the champion of the world at the moment saying that you know like the competitive sport it's it's insane like you wouldn't in, in now the sport would you just get paid you only get paid if you're going to win the next game mm, yeah. imagine that so, sorry yeah. go on. so but you can relate now but think about it in this sense that like not only did they say hey we're not going to pay you if you don't win the next game but you have to win because you can't pay your house the next month if you don't win that mm. game and then you start putting that pressure on guys like that how how are they supposed to cope how are they supposed to perform their best when you're when you're filling their heads full of this this stuff and this is literally what is going through and you know what to make matters worse there are some guys in the in the UFC at the highest level of the sport that even if they fight and win they still do not earn enough money to live they have to go back to work after it and during the season and pick up PT clients just so that they can afford to, to live. Like, Is that how they keep the control of, they've, of it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, the, 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 the controls come from the, the, the monopoly of the market. Because that's where they can manipulate people into taking that fight that they... A hundred percent. It's not a great deal of money, man. Like, again, like, if you earn a hundred grand, halve that. If, if you're lucky and you're going to pay that in management fees and taxes and you're 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 putting like a resource that it's your body and your brain up every fight you know what i mean yeah. um when i look at it now like i've got a real different perspective like i wasn't good enough to play football for thing or to fight or anything i wasn't like i, I was good i was a good enough athlete that i that was cruel it was a good enough athlete <laughs> that that, that that the the thought of doing it was was a possibility mm, if you if you yeah. know what i mean 
But like whenever anything came down to it, I was always like, no, nah, I better go to uni or I better do this <laughs> because I'm not that good, you know? So, and I knew that. Like I, I was like, you know, people go, um, no, you can do anything, Fab. I'm like, no, nah, I can't. A fucking junior just ran over me. When, when do you, at what age do you realize that? Like, me personally, um, I was probably about 15, man, because I was always a hard worker. I was, I was always a hard worker. That's young. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, no, but I, 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 I dreams. no, 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 but, but you know, the problem is, it would have been like this. I would have, I, I, I'm a realist, you know, and I was always like pretty clued on. And say if I wanted to play football, I'm not built like you, or either one of you. Nah, and and the, the reality was like, that's what it was. And I was always a hard worker, and I always played sport to a decent level, but and I, and I didn't not enjoy it, but there was a gap. And I, I know the gap. Do you get what I mean? Now, my point to that is this. When, when I... Um, it's only probably in the last five or six years that it's flipped. A lot of the guys that... And I have no, no thing like, well, I looked up to them, now I don't. But it's flipped in the sense of like, I deal with some football players or fighters or whatever, and they're my age. And I was like, hey, man, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm happy for it. And then they're like... This, like, this conversation that I'm having with you, but you are like still intact. There's dudes that I talk to that are in serious things and, and they, they've spent, we've spent, say I'm 38, close to your age, so but, oh, you're 35, mm-hmm. I'm 38. So they, we've spent the last 20 years, say after school, I've, and I, I'm, I see a big difference in my skill set and their skill set. And I, I always, you always think, and I, I work in that field, you know what I mean? I always think, and I fuck, has this person been compensated for, because I look at the skills that I've had and my own talents that I have, which I was able to feed by, by you know, doing the appropriate training, so, so to speak. And I look at the last 20 years and I think, are you compensated for not having these skills? It, does that make sense? So say, for example, some of the guys that haven't got a qualification, like exactly what you're saying, haven't got a qualification, haven't got a whole bunch of these things, and it's really become apparent to me like what's happened, like my life in 20 years and their life in 20 years. And a lot of these guys haven't been able to capitalize mm-hmm. on it. And it's just a real inverted thing for me. It's funny, no, not funny, but because like I said, when I was 15, 16, I was like... Yeah, this is not going to work out for me. Like, it's, and I, I continue to play sport, but there was there's a there's a gap. There was a big talent gap, and it's it's real, you know. But then, in in other areas, I I also think like fuck these guys not even compensated for it. Mm. It's it's bad, you know. The UFC I think is NRLs. I I, I don't have enough of an, uh, experience with it. Just I've worked with a lot of football players and I see it. But the UFC and the NRL, I see a lot of similarities in that. Like I see a lot of these guys that are very, very good athletes and they live in the limelight for a while. And then when they're done, people don't even know about them anymore. Do you know what I mean? And that's how I think because then they hold up, a, I don't know, Darren Lockyer and they go, no, look how successful he is. And, and you think, dude, that's like one of the best dudes of all time. Mm. What about, I could name you... 20 dudes that you went to school with or whatever that what about them you know what i mean like what happened to them they 
played three or four years and had their leg leg bent backwards, never walk again properly, and you never ever hear of them again, ever. You know, and I, I don't know. It's just it's just a funny thing for me like that that um I I wouldn't do it now. Do you know what I mean? Like I was thinking about this the other day. Like if I had a son, like I, I'd be like, man, probably not. I wouldn't want him to. Obviously, if he's fucking built like me, I'd definitely tell him not to. <laughs> but even if he wasn't, it's sad because I like rugby league and I like combat sports, and there is an inherent danger to them. But I look at it and I think like the compensation and the sacrifices that people make, they're just, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I th- yeah, I, 100% with you on that. I don't think the compensation nor the the looking after them afterwards, it's, it's, it's just not there, you know, um, especially for the, the dangers of the combat sports and, and the contact, you know, the, the, the toll it takes on your body. Like, like you said before, you wake up some point hurt, <coughs> sore, and, you know, you've stopped playing. How many surgeries you had, Rob? Me? I've been, I've been very fortunate in my career. I've only had... Um, three surgeries three you had your your hand how many times I've had two in my hand and uh, one in my jaw and your legs no 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 surgeries lucky yeah I've been lucky touch wood but that's still three surgeries only 27 I um yeah I've been I've been lucky you know um if you had if I had to ask myself like would I do it again But you're still young. Yeah, you're that, still that's, in that's, your that's career. I say, like, I, I'm still, I'm still doing it. Like, I'm still. No, it's different perspectives. Yeah. It's just an interesting. Give me a little bit longer. Because you, you yeah. played at the, at the Ask pinnacle. Me at 27, and I'm like, 100 <laughs> percent, because I'm playing Origin and for Australia. Yeah, you know, yeah 100. Like, yeah, that, that's what I mean, and that's yeah. why when, when I say to you when I, when I, when um, like when you say 21 and you look at it and, and I'll go. Uh, I, w- I, w- I would swap my, my lifestyle for with Will's. Do you know what I mean? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, say, if we're the same age, say you were 22 and I was 22, you were playing first grade, da-da-da-da-da. I was going to uni and doing personal training. Do you know what I mean? And I would be like, I would swap with Will like this. But then when I see some guys, not you in particular, but people, yeah, yeah. 20 years later, I think like, fuck, glad I didn't take that swap. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, granted, there's a lot of people who might not be in my, didn't play first grade, and aren't in my position either. But um, it's so different. I think the reality and people don't understand the day you're out of the spotlight, people forgot. Like the day you're gone, people just that they, they don't even know anymore. You know what I mean? They don't care. They, um, they really don't. And it's um, you know, I've spoken to a few boys since I came back from the Super League. So I played in the Super League for the last three years and then coming back. So you played in England, eh? Played in France for one year and then England for two years. And then coming back, hearing some of the stories about retired boys and how they... It was like their their total image or whatever was just rugby league and now because that's gone like they've spiraled into like a deep depression because no one recognizes them on the street anymore or no one will come up and say hello or you know it's so fickle too eh for an autograph and it's you know i've i've never been you've you've got people that love it 
that are in that that play the game and love that attention and um, that are all about it. But you know, I've I've never been you know I hate going somewhere and you know you know people staring and um, or you know they might walk up to you and say hello like that's that's all right but if you um if you're out just trying to have a meal like you know when i was with jt like you know i'd, I'd hate to be in issues like it's it's yeah it's um yeah but he can't sit down and have a meal he can't no nah. because people just yeah just come up to him at all times because, yeah, yeah but it's yeah, I, I think what I'm getting at was it's strange to me to see that, you know, people, um, you know, were all about the fame and, or, not so much fame, I, I, I don't know if you'd call it fame. It's only Attention. Attention, yeah. Because it, it isn't like some um, level of fame that transcends, that's, that's not like you're, you're, you're popular yeah. on the east coast of Australia. Exactly. Th- that's what a lot of the, I feel sorry for a lot of the rugby league players too, in that sense, because... I've I've worked with different teams and different things and with different stuff and like when I'm talking to them now I'm older and I see it like say when I see a dude and he's like 21 22 years old I think like dude you're like a kid man like you're like a kid that somebody won the, who won the genetic lottery worked hard and somebody just gave a bunch of money and sometimes I'm looking at him and like they're just talking about some other shit but I'm just looking at him and I think like dude I want to explain to you first of all it's not that much money that you have it really isn't um, and if you get injured, you're fucked. And like, you just play football. You know, you're not you're not out there curing cancer, and you're not even famous off the east coast of Australia. Exactly. Which yeah. which I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying the truth. It's the same as with the fighters. And I hear the way some of the fighters talk, and the way like the media around that fighter. Like if, if he's what's hot at the moment, the media will be like, he's the greatest of all. He's the best. Like you listen, he's a genius. And the guy loses, and they don't even talk about him. They're talking about somebody else. Yeah. And I think this guy is not a fucking genius. This guy is probably maybe of average intelligence and can string a sentence together, and he happens to be good at bashing people in his undies. You know what I mean? And that that's it. Like, Sorry, mate. Sorry, Rob's like, no, I'm, I'm fucking something else. Come on, mate. Yeah. Is it? And that's it. That's all you are. And and if you can't if you can't understand that, you're gonna have a real hard time when you have to transition into normal life. Sorry, Rob. You you're the exception. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I needed that. Will Will, did you have anyone around you back then that was asking what you were gonna do after football? Did you have anyone that was do you remain close to you saying, Are you are you planning for after football? Because I think I was talking to you the other day and you said Kari's the first job out of football you've had. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Car is the first job that I've had. I'm 35 and I've been there for four months. Um, so straight out of school, straight down to Parramatta at 17, um, and then thrown into the full-time squad. Um, so this is your first job? Yeah. Outside of football. Yeah. No, no, nah, nah, but it's like, it, I, I, I get what you mean, like yeah. even more so because like it just hit I, me I then. I don't even see 40 as a job, like because yep. it's not to me. like. So in all them years of football, did you have anyone that was, do you mean, working with you about after football? Or yeah, concerned you, about what you yeah, were? Yeah, you'd always have, you know, your managers um, saying, you know, this is not going to last forever. Um, but 
it's through one ear, one ear so at the other. Bit, yeah. You know, like you think it, it really is going to last forever. But yeah. then, yeah, you start get injuries and injuries and then you start doubting yourself. Am I going to be the same player again? Am I going to even be able to play again? Like I was told that after my backup that um, I wouldn't be able to play again. Um, and, you know, I was blessed enough to play another three, three, four years after that. But, yeah, <laughs> it just goes through one ear out the other. Yeah, and so you, didn't, I think you don't think you took it serious on planning no. for after football? Is it, is no. it hard because, um, like, it's, it's not just you, there's, like, the other boys in the team and then, like, you see them not giving a, a, like, really caring and you're like, well, he's not caring. And then, you, you know, he's kind of all... Yeah, we kind of be right. Yeah, you kind of all circulate that that off each other. Like, oh, whatever happens, happens. You've got maybe three or four of the boys that are switched on that that are actually, you know, doing studies, doing, like, um, uni courses. And the rest are just, you know, live day by day, mm. training session... By training session, just yeah. rock up. And you know something that I see as well. Like I see that with the fighters and I see it with football teams that I've worked with and that. And I see like, like people, people don't get this as well. Like, and it makes now when you say, oh, at thirty-five you got your first job, you know, and you've been there for four months, etc. But I look at like the way they they behave because they're in this like little microcosm that's not real. And uh, so, say for example some of the partying some of the stuff and then some of the talk and the way that they talk and um some of the practices a lot of the practices around women as well and i'll watch it because i'm around them a lot of the time you know like obviously with rob and with other fighters that we have and with different football teams that i've worked and they'll say stuff and people you know people go ah boys will be boys kind of thing and i think but you know what dude that's like a 21 year old kid or a 19 year old kid that if um I don't want to name it. If 28-year-old Willie Tonga, when he was at the top of his game, is saying, yeah, that's okay for you to do that, this 18, 19-year-old kid is going to go, yeah, that's fucking, that's fine. That's perfect behavior. But then, like, outside of that football club, you're nobody, mm. you know? And if you treat someone or you do that, like, you're going to get done for sexual assault. You're going to get done for assault. You're going to get done for... Fuck this verbal abuse. You're going to get done for all of those things. You know what I mean? And I feel... I'm not even trying to vilify them because I feel for those kids because they're young. They don't know any mm. better and they're just copying the boys that, are, that had copied the boys as well. Not just in the football teams, in, in fighting and that because it's all fun and games while you're saying those things and you're selling tickets and everything and da-da-da-da-da and the promotion's making money or you're scoring tries or whatever. The moment that you're no longer doing that and you behave like that, you'll, you'll go to jail. Do you know what I mean? Like, you'll, you, you can't act like that in normal yeah. life. And, you know, it's, I'm ashamed to say it, but, you know, that was me. I was, I was in that sort of... But it's not even bubble. to be ashamed about. The worst thing for you is that you guys are in a fishbowl. If I do it, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care. Yeah, I guess it's it's coming from, you know, the way I was brought up. You know, like, I wasn't brought up, um, you know, I was brought up in a Christian home. Um, you know, mum and dad, they were 
you know, obviously, you know, don't drink, don't swear. Um, and they were strict on us. And then moved down to Sydney um, and then made it. Well, I got, I was playing Origin at 20, you know, for Australia at 21. You know, that's, you still. It's crazy. When, when, I, when I look at kids like that, when I see that kids playing now, I'm thinking that's so young. Like, that, that's like a different world to me now. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, to picture that I was playing at that level in those arenas at that age, it's like a totally different totally different person did Does you that start make sense? did you start drinking because of the football culture you think that's what yeah yep yep dude it's it's insane like for me as an outsider looking at you know at some football teams that I've that I've worked with and that um it's 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 mad like like that that certain behaviors are even are even like like because you know when you <laughs> some of the behaviors is like nah dude like it, it's different if i if if i was to do it like if i want to do it i'm 38 years old I, I know what's acceptable or not do you know what i mean but if you're a kid coming in at 17 18 years old if everyone else is behaving like that that's that's the fucking norm and everyone wants to say no nah, i wouldn't do it da, da, da. me like now i wouldn't do it like yeah but if 17 year old me went into um, first grade football. I don't. You, you're still being raised. You're still like a kid. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you're still a bit, a little bit more than a child. But the worst thing is when you're 15, 16, 17. You don't think you are. You think like you're an adult. Like you, you said like you played in those arenas. And then when you look back and you see see like 20 year old you doing it, you're like he's a little kid. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, yeah, it's. I showed someone a photo of, of you the other day when you won the smashes. Oh, with the earrings and the... Yeah, and they the had hair. the yeah. the, uh, the $4 earrings in. in. It was did, did you go through that, Rob? Did you go through that? No, but he looked like stage? a little kid. That's what I'm saying. Like, he looked like a little kid in that when he won the smashes. Where there was like a, a pressure of the Jermaine fighters party hard and that as well. And that Jermaine, that environment of, of that you have a bit of fame. And that, did you ever go through that or...? Um, <clears throat> maybe after winning the smashes because I think that brought a bit of a highlight to your career maybe uh, yeah like I just I don't know like when, when, when I started <laughs> you know what my whole thing was like when I first started uh, mixed martial arts like and when I first went professional I think my whole thing was like as long as I stop drinking three weeks out we're good <laughs> like like it was, it was, it's crazy to think how I was. Like, 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 like you said. Like when I was coming up in the beginning of my my pro career, I was young, and I was just I was still learning right from wrongs. I was still learning what to do. You, you only just finished high school, and or were you, you were finishing high school for your pro debut? Yeah, you know? I, I I was finishing high school for my pro debut, and and like the 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 MMA athlete environment and culture behind it it, it can be a little toxic <laughs> it can be a little toxic so um yeah yeah like i was i was still learning my rights from wrongs and then when i made it into the ufc and and all that stuff i was still trying to get a grip on 
like who I was, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, what was what I was doing. It's kind of just going with the the motions, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, you know that being that young as well, like I had friends that aren't friends now. Funny enough, yeah. that um wanted to go out, we wanted to go party, we wanted to drink, you know, like as when you're 18, 19, 20, you're going out every weekend. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's just a it's just funny how you guess can get swept up in that. And then you know, it's unless you have something to remove yourself from the fishbowl as Fab said, you're stuck in the fishbowl and then you finally get ejected at 35 and you realize it was all fake. The world's different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's like, man, this is different. Where's my friends that wanted to hit the bars and they've got five kids now and they don't want to go out anymore? And you're like, Wow, I'm free now, guys. <laughs> yeah. The, um, and that's exactly how it is. It's like I'm I'm looking at the world, you know, differently now. Um, you know, with you know, the now working in Kari and then seeing the issues that, um, you know, the problems with, you know, families and, you know, the way the kids are brought up and, you know, in broken homes and stuff like that. Like, I guess you hear about it and you get asked to go to, um, you know, to go to some local footy team or some town just for a promotion. But um, a lot of times, like, you know, a lot of the boys don't want to be there. You know, they do it because... It's part of their schedule. Because they have to. It's written into their to. contract. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm looking at it like like you said. It's it, because I was I felt like at rugby league is is a bubble. Like now I'm looking at it, it's like none of that was real. None of like that's all just fake. Like now I'm in the real world and um you know I, yeah, I just, I guess everything happens for a reason, but, you know. It, do you I have regrets associated to your to your rugby league career? Like, as in, like, do you, like, you know, you said you wouldn't do it again, but do you, do you feel like a, a thing where, because you, you, you're obviously an introspective, intelligent person. You're not, like, just, like, so do you, do you have a thing where, like, if you had a son, would you be like, no, I'd rather you go down this path? Do you have children? I don't have children, no. Um, my girlfriend, she's American. She lives in LA. Um, and we've spoken about it. And, you know, that's... She's asked She's asked me, like, you know, would I allow our kids to play rugby league or to fight? And I'm... A massive fan of boxing and then and MMA as well and that's something that I haven't decided on yet um, you know I, it's a tough one like and with the like the head knocks that I've, I've received and that's just a like rugby league that's not even a fighter like yeah but I've, I've been, seen I've been knocked out I held that, you know, what that fucking thing called the hit shield. The hit shield, and you know, what's that guy? Zane Zane Musgrove is that his name? The big giant dude that plays for Souths. Oh, I'm not sure. I, anyways, there, there was a, I could see the way it was going because we were working with Souths one time, and they said, "Da da da da, da can you hold?" Oh, and I, I did everything like I was like looking like this and that to so that they wouldn't ask me to hold the, the shield. I did like, and then they said, "Can you hold it?" 
And I just said to him, man, don't, don't hit me hard because I won't hold it for you. And he didn't. He was like a super nice kid, but he was like, I don't know, a hundred kilos more than is necessary for a human being, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and I held it and he was like, to him, in his mind, it was like, fairy tale, fairy tale. And to me, the fucking skies parted and angels mm. played a symphony, <laughs> you know? Like, and I could feel my head rattling. So I can only imagine your shots. Yeah, they, I don't know, they tried. You've been knocked out? Yeah, I, yeah, I can't even, knocked out cold. Um, four or five times concussed where I like still play like and I'm like you get hit and then you're just seeing stars and then it'll take about 30 seconds for you to come to like um, yeah I can't even can't even count how many times like you know probably every five games that happens and what about um, have you ever had shots where you can't remember you can't remember the game? Yeah. Like a lot? Yeah. Like there's, there's been times you don't remember that you played? Yeah. Uh, how many? Ten times in your I, career? There's more than, more than that. There's, there's blurs of, you know, um, there's blurs of years. Um, and I... I haven't, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like, I really want to go and, you know, see someone about it, you know, because I, I feel that I'm starting to lose my memory. Um, and, um, you know, and I've spoken to my girlfriend about it and she's concerned. Um, I haven't spoken to my parents about it, but they'll probably no doubt hear it um, from this. But, um, yeah, it's something that, how, how bad will, how bad do you lose your memory? Um, I mean, the boys that know me well would just think it's like just a joke, like you know, like yeah, Will's forgotten this or what. Like if I forget something, you know, they don't I think, you, think you, much of it. You messaged me on Sunday. I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but Will messaged me at six o'clock on Sunday saying, "Do we have to be in a TAFE at eight o'clock?" He didn't know. I didn't. Yeah, know, it's just little, just little things with that. But um, yeah, I, the, like the smallest things um, I can remember, but like like things that I should remember, I don't. Um, and you know, this is the first time I've spoken about it. Like uh, I, I, I lay there at night for hours thinking about it like is this like where's this gonna end like where where does where does this end for me does that make sense yeah yeah like is this the start of me just losing um just losing my marbles that's and that's how i i really do think when i go to sleep at night or when i'm laying there have you had any history of like depression or anxiety? Um, I I think that I've I've had it now that I look back, but I was one of those people that when someone said that they've got it, I thought I'd look at them and think 
um, you're soft or that's a you're just that's you just saying that as a scape like, like say <coughs> you know not pointing anyone out but say if one of the boys in the NRL you know done something and um, and they blame uh, mental illness or you know um, whatever I'd I'd say nah that's like it's full of shit like that's that's just his way out like of getting in trouble like that that was me that was yeah but I think that there's very little known about mental illness yeah and I think even less that would have been filtered down to the players so I don't think that you can hold any responsibility for thinking that do you know what I mean like I don't like I think that there's a responsibility from people that should have that should have known better do you know what I mean like you can't expect like what 26 year old will to know you know what I mean to understand mental illness which which none of us do yeah like you know, back you know back in school like I'd, I'd never heard of depression before like you know or you know these um, mental illnesses that um, you know kids have now um, but they don't have but them now people have had them there's stuff that's over diagnosed yeah, 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 but, you're right. Yeah, but it's but right. people have always had it. So you know when people could talk like they go, oh, um, PTSD. People, do, that, that's new. People didn't have PTSD, you know, in World War One. And I'm like, no, they fucking did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we just didn't. People just didn't know what it was. You know what I mean? Um, but PTSD is not new. We just named it, but it's always been around. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? You know, back to your question, oh, I definitely think that I've been, I've had, you know, depression in the past where now I can say that I I had, but up until a couple of months ago, I'd say, nah, I was just having dark times. Like, I, after my knee surgeries, like, I'd lock myself in the house for days and then it'll be dark, like, and have no contact with anybody. Um... And still, I'd, I'd, I'd say, no, nah, I'm not depressed. I'm just, um, just, you know, a bit down, you know. I've, I've just had knee surgery. Um, but now that I've looked, I've sort of looked into a little bit, like, those feelings that I was having, I was tick, I've ticked all those boxes that would say that I had depression. Um, How many knocks a year and this is going to be interesting. How many knocks a year would you say you had? Whether it was at training, whether it was at um, at in the competition, would you say where you because you don't have to be asleep to be concussed. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how, where you were like a little bit headachey, took took some shots to the head. How many a year would you say? Where you were in. Because uh, think of it like this: oh, oh, if you were oh, in a boxing fight, if you're in a boxing yeah. fight and you got hit and you were like a little bit funny, the ref would come o- over to you and you know count you, mm-hmm. give you a standing eight or you know, you're lying fifty. So, how many would you say were like standing eights? I don't think I could put a number on it because like fifty. Twenty-six games in a in a in a regular season. 
Um, plus training. Plus training. Because um, those contact sessions are incredibly brutal. Yeah, some of the sessions, like, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, doing a pose sessions against the 20s. If we didn't go as hard, like it was a game, then, um, you know, we'd get penalized for it. So, that, like, and the 20s boys would have wanted your number as well. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I'm talking about these were training sessions when I was at the Cowboys. You know, with you know, guys like Jason Tomalo, they coming through. He would and have so been you, so much fun to so put you, do contact you try with. To, you think, okay, he's a young 17 um, year old. I'm going to put a shot on him. You run in and he puts you in your ass, you know. Um, but. Yeah, I, you know, I really couldn't put a number on it. Maybe 50, yeah. How many a year for you? Depends. <coughs> it, it, it's, it's super, it depends on what sort of fighter you are, I guess. No, but you personally, Robert Whittaker, how many shots a year would you say ring your bell to the point like, obviously Romero rang your bell like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> how, how many people, how many, how often would you say per year that you've taken shots that it's really rung your bell? Mm, how many fights a year? Two, in the, you, in the like, last... Like this year? This yeah. last year, maybe... How many shots? Maybe 10 times. So in a couple in the fight and a couple, a few yeah. in training? Yeah, probably, probably like five times that last fight. Probably, I, 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 I guess, like, because I, I'm, I'm counting the shots that were not blocked when I was trying to get my bearings back. Yeah. You know, because those were free. <laughs> um, those shots and then, like, during the sessions, like, you're not paying attention, you'll get hit. Like, or, or, or even if you are paying attention, a clean shot will just get through and it'll get, it'll, it'll hurt. But, but you as a professional fighter, you'd say, ten, what, 10 in a year or five in a year? Probably 10 in a year. 10 this year. 10 this, 10 this year where you've had your bell rung. Yeah. Because that, that was working with different football teams. That was, whether it's SG ball through to first grade, that was one of the things that shocked me, man. Because I've always worked in combat sports. Working with the football teams, it shocked me the amount of shots they take in training. It just fucking, it's incredible to me. And like as a pro fighter, these guys, I'm sure these fighters that take a lot more in their camps. <laughs> but we are very conscious about that, like like not to take the shots in training. There's me, re, Take as few shots in training as possible to be ready for the fight. You know, so he had 10 probably. And I, I don't think your 10 would have been like his 50. Because some of yours in those 50, we're talking about asleep anywhere from a sleep to like memory loss kind of thing like mm -hmm. you wouldn't remember it no i'm like I've, I've never during during this year last year i've never been hit to the point where i'm wobbly like except for in that romero fight like not a training at least like and you ne even in the romero fight you still had like your memory yeah yeah well yeah it was kind of like a there's different there's different types of getting put on put on put on your ass you know um the ones in the romero fight were just like like flash sort of drops like um it's hard to explain it's like you get hit and then you're on your ass and you're like shit i just got dropped i gotta get up and then you get back up and you start start fighting again like, do you remember uh, the punch hey do you remember the punch like no no 
you just like I remember everything leading up to it. Like I, I remember attacking, 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 and then I'm on my bum. That's the last thing. And he's remember. running at me, and then I was like, but then, but I'm with it enough to pick out to make up the rest of the story. Mm. It's like, oh, obviously I've been hit, and I have to get back up now. Um, the other. The, the other one which was weird in that fight was because uh, I, I, it's because I already took damage I think it was in the in the fourth maybe right at the end of the fourth yeah right at the end of the fourth I got skimmed on the temple and then that's when you get the wobbly legs and the right my right leg went like was locking out because it was wobbly and uh, that, that's a weird feeling because like you're good like you feel good but your legs won't work like that's a funny feeling that one um yeah, that's much worse than um, than the than the other than the the, the flash like just getting the flash yeah. the drops like when you just get dropped and you back up and you can fight like that same in the same movement my bum hit the mat I was back up like initiating the wrestle getting back up defending myself turning off the cage like and doing all that sort of stuff obviously he went on a rampage and I took shots like this is gonna happen um, but with the the wobbly legs like you. You feel all right, but your legs aren't working. You know, you you, and that's it's that's a, that's a weird feeling. The crazy thing though is that that will end. Like if they if it hurts you more, it'll finish, or it will only can only go for twenty five minutes. But you guys keep going. Like like I I seen kids like get knocked out, and this was even after they said like that. I seen kids get knocked out and put back on mm-hmm. to play, and yeah. you you. You know, people say, no, no, it's against the rules in football now, but it's that happens. People go back on after they get knocked out in rugby league. Yeah. And um, you'd get a, even in fighting, you'd get like a 90-day suspension. You wouldn't be allowed to fight or have head contact or anything. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a protocol I think they have to follow now. Um, but I've seen kids get pulled back yeah. in. Um, but even... You know, I, I remember games where I've been knocked out, taken off, and then I'm back the next day doing the same training as the other boys. It's like and it's crazy no, the the contact that you have in those in that it's to me it's insane. Like the amount of contact that there is with the players, and I think like how you not they're not like these are shots like your your brain is being affected, you know, and there's enough literature now. That's especially stuff that's been done in the US with the with the NFL players and that to say look, C- CT is real, like brain trauma is real, and I don't know, we just continue to do it. Yeah, I don't think. Well, definitely when you're playing, you're not thinking that. No, you can't. You that, that's you, why you, you love, made it to that point because you you're not thinking like, about it. Okay, that. you got me. Now I want to get you. Like that's that's how it is. But now that I'm older, um, you know I. I feel like I'm starting to lose my memory. Like, these are things that you think about, um, you know, once you're out of the game and you sort of, you have that time to sort of look back and reflect. And Have you got someone you want to see, like you're going to see in regards to that? No. No, I haven't. <clears throat> I've reached out to a couple of the boys um, and, you know, they've... They've given me numbers, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm scared to, like, if something is there or something does come up. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to know if there is something there. Like, 
because that'll that'll mess with my head even more. So, um, you know, the boys are telling me like, you know, you should go go see someone. Like they're they're telling me go see this person, go ring this person up, but uh, I haven't gotten around to it. Or I don't, yeah, don't know if I will. That's fucking scary, man. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I feel with, you know, with, you know, combat sport or, um, collision like, sports. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're not normal. No, 100%. I, I, really, I really feel that. 100%. You know, I really feel that. And then you're thinking, like, it's crazy to see how, how much collision, but, like I'm thinking, like, but it's I not on the player. Like it's not on the players or on the fighter. Like, say for example, Rob can't make that decision for himself. That's we're going to make that decision for him. Like, if if he was taking too much damage, I'll, I'll throw the towel in. Then he can get angry after, and we will we'll have an argument. But he he's always going to fight. Like when when he got the chicken pox and the staff, and he was meant to fight Rockhold, he still wanted to take mm-hmm. the fight. But it was up to myself yeah. and the other coaches and say, no, nah, man, you're not taking the fight. And we can, you're going to lose money and we can have an argument about mm-hmm. it, whatever, but this is what's going to happen. And like you guys at your age, especially when you're young, man, because like, like kids are like 15 years old playing Harold Matthews, their brain's not even fucking developed. Mm-hmm. It's not even fully developed. So you're at like that 15, 18-year-old, 19-year-old stage is like where the most, most riskiest behavior takes place. And at 17, 18, that's when the most crucial part of trying to make first grade is. You know what I mean? Like you're 18 to 21. So you're taking these kids out, their brains are not even formed. And of course you're going to say, yes, can I? But when you're 17, you're going to go watch me drive blindfolded and drunk down the highway. You know what I mean? Whatever. It's like the riskiest time in your life. So it's not up to you guys. I'm just saying the practices have to be different. Like it has to be, like we don't spar. Like he doesn't spar. Like, yeah. like a maniac you know there are gyms that spar three four five times a week and they look at what we do and go oh, oh, it's wrong because he doesn't spar like that mm-hmm. but it, it can't be because like if you put them to spar they're going to spar because like you said that type of that breed of athlete is not normal it's not normal for you to do collision sports or do combat sports so you guys are different to people you know what I mean yeah when people say oh look oh you did that for 16 years how did you do it like you know I don't know how you put your body through that but at the time that's that's normal that's that's normal to you yeah and you're you're wired differently yeah Yeah, you're wired different it's 100% and that's why there has to be there has to be people that are protecting you from you yeah you know because like if you no one's going to quit Romero when Romero fought Rob Rob broke his orbitals, broke Romero's orbitals in the first first two rounds, smashed his eyes up. Romero looked like an alien. Romero, by all accounts, should have stopped. But he was never going to stop unless you put him in a coffin. You know, you have to put him out. And Rob's the same way. Like the the same broke his hand on Romero's Mm -hmm. head. And they both kept fighting. And they would have both kept fighting Mm. until it was done. But there has to be people that are looking after them because that fighters are not going to make that decision for themselves. They never, if, you know, they need someone to say to them, look, dude, this is your last fight. Like, 
no more. Because yeah. the other thing is, I, I listen to people sometimes, they go, oh, but so-and-so, you're saying he should stop fighting, but look at him, he's won his last three fights. And I think, look, look your brain doesn't understand that you want to fight. Your brain just knows it cop trauma. You know, now you're going, fight again, let's see if you win. Oh, look, he won, he can keep fighting. And you're like, nah, dude, the dude can't talk mm. properly. You know what I mean? Like, he can't talk properly. You can see it in his face, like, he should not be taking those shots anymore. And he, someone needs to protect that person from himself. He's not going to ever stop fighting. You know, that's... Is that is that something that you worry about? Like, you get into a stage where you fought that one fight too many yeah definitely especially as i'm especially as i'm getting older and i'm learning more and more about brain trauma and things like that it's definitely uh it's a thing like a big thing big thing for me is like i live this lifestyle because this is this is the path that i want you know i, I feel that i i walk the warrior's path and i i want to live like this but i have to pick my battles you know, especially when it when it comes down to like providing for my family, and my like you said, my body's only got so many fights in it before it's gonna say you've had enough, old chap. <laughs> you know, and so I have to make sure that I'm capitalizing on my body and making ends meet so that I'm looked after, because every 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 fight that I go into is one less. Mm -hmm. uh, is, is is just just one one less i have in in the grand total and you don't come out the same and and uh, you never yeah. come out the same even if yeah the, the the amount of stress on your body when you go through a fight you don't understand when you play the game like it's just it's tremendous you're pushing your body past the point that's normal past the point it was built for and um especially especially when like the the level we play which is so far above normal it's um it's it's just from a hormonal release like just from an ad amount of adrenaline and cortisol that is released into mm. your bloodstream you know the way your amygdala is firing in your brain like just just those things alone for you to be doing that over and over and it's, it's a lot of work there's a lot of things that have to go into it yeah and, and i don't think a lot of people look after themselves one of the things that bernard hopkins was saying he goes like you're never the same you go in you won't come out the same and uh one fight can change you can mm -hmm. just change your life and uh again a lot of people don't one of the, i think one of the th good things with like say rob myself and the other coaches um and a lot of people say oh you, you didn't like I, I wasn't i competed a little bit in grappling and that but i wasn't i was nothing special one of one of the things that i think helps me like we got alex Prades, he fought he was alex mm -hmm. the, the guy yep. he fought Justin Fitzgerald fought as well. Um, I didn't fight. You know, again, like I said, I competed in some sports and that, but nothing, not even worth mentioning. The good, Justin Lang as well didn't fight. John Lang's son. He didn't, mm -hmm. di didn't, didn't um, fight, but he's Rob's exercise uh, physiologist. Um, and his brother Martin was tough as hell. Justin, not so much. Um, <laughs> but Justin and I... We didn't fight, so our the way I see stuff, I don't even necessarily have to even go into the the whole. Um, oh, but he's a fighter. I just know that that's not good for you, man. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll say to you, like, yeah, do I understand what needs to be done? Like, I can have a critical assessment and say these are the things that need to be done. But there's a point of diminishing returns to what's occurring mm -hmm. here, and it's easy for me 
because I don't fight. So I don't feel, I'm not wired like you guys. So it's easy for me to say, hey, dude, don't do that. You know what I mean? Whereas other guys might be like, yeah, but it's fun. Do it anyways, Rob, because they, they, they're wired like you guys. Do, do, do you get what I mean? I do, yeah. I'm I, not. I feel like I, I played two, three seasons too long. And, but I didn't have anybody to tell me that um, I'm, you know, I'm past, I'm past that. Because in my mind, I'm still thinking I can get to that level where I want, where I want to be, or where I used to be. And mm. um, now, I and you like might, but you're taking a toll anyways. Your brain doesn't know the difference. Yeah, yeah. I, I worry about that a lot. Like constantly, I'm thinking about about taking shots and stuff like that and just like you said and, and compliments what Fab said Fab said um, when he quoted that guy uh, Bernard Hopkins yeah that um, one fight can change everything you know and you said just then he said you you think you maybe played three seasons too many can I just say three seasons is like 76 <laughs> games <laughs> like 76 fights too many I am um, yeah I, I don't know you know and, and this is this is coming from a point where like I'm, I'm in it and I'm thinking about it. You know, I, I, I have that grace where maybe, maybe yourself didn't even have, have these thoughts at my age. But I'm thinking about it and, you know, it's, it's so important to have people around mm. you that can that pull you out of it. Because, to be honest, like I could fight forever. <laughs> mm. Like I, 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 think, I think like even, even, even if I could barely walk, I could still probably find the timing to land a good shot. You know, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, you know, I might yeah. scrape. I by. mean, you've got his, you know, his health. Not just me, the uh, other coaches as well. Yeah. yeah, all of you guys, you know, have his health, um, you know, at the forefront of, um, you know, your minds. But with us, like, um, you know, it's just like a, it's just mm. like a rotation. They want to try yeah. and get as much as they can out of us, and then as soon as we're done. Oh, and there's a the scrap production piece. line of yeah. it. And then like, more the kids playing kid football. And, and yeah. Yeah. Place you as yeah. soon as they can yeah. for a better player. Yeah. 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 And, and now they're coming up through bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, yeah, I just, What would your advice be to well, your unborn son, but now he's 20 years old and uh, he's about to sign, play first grade? Because no matter what you said to him, I don't want you to play junior, et cetera, et cetera, but... He's got your genetics, your gifts. I like how you named him Junior. Well, yeah, junior, yeah, no, yeah. not because <laughs> it doesn't yeah, have to be racist, man. Right. Right. I'm yeah, saying yeah, because right. Right. I didn't know what his son's name would be, so I said Junior. And he, you, you say to him, but he, he's gone through, made all the schoolboys teams, everything, da da da. He's signed and now to play fucking whatever team. What would your advice be to him? It's it's funny because I, I I had a conversation um, a couple of weeks ago with a, a lady that was driving an Uber and her son just got signed with the Warriors like um, and she just moved over from New Zealand a couple of years ago but um, her son had um, was just about to sign a contract with the under twenties Warriors but she said no you're not allowed and so now he's um, He's doing, you know, he's a bricklayer or something like that. And then I thought about it, like, while I was sitting there, if my parents told me that, 
like I wouldn't listen because that's that's what I wanted to do. That's what I love. Yeah, and no, so, I don't think you could stop him. Yeah, but I, what I advice what, would you I give? Don't, I don't know what advice. I, I, I don't know. That's something that I'd, I'm going to have to think about. Um, and I guess the more research um, comes out with, um, you know, head injuries and, and stuff like that, then um, I might have a, a better understanding of of things and might be able to tell him. But that, for now, it's something that I don't think I'll be able to uh, give advice. What about you for Jack and John? If they want to do a, a, like a collision sport or a, or a fighting sport, they got even though even if you said, "Look, I don't want," like like Will said, even mm. you said, "Look, I don't want you to do it," but they did it anyways, and now they're on the verge of either fighting professionally or playing football professionally. What what advice would you give them? I You're not going to be able to stop them. Yeah, but, you can't stop kids on anything. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is just to. to to inform them, I'm just going to try and, and pass on as much information that I have and that my friends have and that information that I can I can I can find, so that they know the facts, that they know that they know more about about the body and about health issues than I did going into it, because um, it's real. But when you're that young, it's one you no one says to you when you're coming up, oh you know. The head trauma might affect you in 20 years. No one says that. (laughs) And you wouldn't care because you'd be like, at 18, 20 years is 38, which is my age, and you think 38 is old. And now 38 is like, we're just getting started. And the people around you don't care. They don't care. They're all just like, oh, you're such a good fighter. Get in there, smash him. You're hard as nails. Like, no one cares about that sort of stuff. You know, so I guess my biggest thing is just for him to surround himself with smart people, smart people yeah. that care for him, and just to give give him as much information about it, you know, that I can. You know, listen to this podcast, maybe. <laughs> what about you, Eli? If you, I think that's the same as what Rob just said. You have got to surround yourself with the right people. That would that'd be number one. Whether it's friends, your main family, managers, everywhere, even a professional sport i guess they're hard to come by but it needs to be the right there's so many wrong people too in those sports in the collision sports and the the fighting sports there's a lot of wrong people of course because there's a lot of money in it as well so entertainment there's always going to be people who are in there for their own benefits not the benefit of the fighter or the football player so i think it's just like rob said it's got to be the right people you have to surround i think that would be a big choice being a football player too which club you're going to go to do you mean um, management, club, I think, yeah, is a big one. Some clubs would look after players better than others. Um, other clubs and managers and that, I think, would be a really important choice. So as a father, I think I would like to have some input or do you mean be present in them choices? But I don't know if anyone would listen to their father, old man. Well, I wanna, we're going to wrap this up, but I just wanted to ask you, well, what's, what's on the horizon for you? What, 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 are some, what are some of the plans? So you're working with Kari... You got any other projects you're doing this surf for in, in fitness? Doing this surf for, yeah, um, which is, uh, so next year we're going to be rolling out programs that are targeted at, um, at youth, um, you know, trying to get them active, trying to get them um, engaged back into, you know, sport um, or healthy living and lifestyle. Um, so 
Yeah, it's just at the moment very short-term goals because I'm, you know, literally just you know, just starting. Just starting. Yeah, and but some pretty exciting back. stuff, man. Exciting, but it's um, yeah, nerve-wracking and scary at the same time. But I think like, um, just from even speaking to you, it seems like you are emotionally invested in that line of work. Like it doesn't seem like yeah. it's it's not like you're selling cornettos that's, that's at the beach. My, yeah, like. That's my passion is is to help young indigenous and you know Pacific Island kids, um, you know, reach their potential and um, you know try and get them at an age where you know just before they they can either go left or right. Um, so. That's my passion, um, and yeah. But for now, just getting through this course. Yeah. How's the course going for you? Um, that's long. It's a lot of writing. Um, like I said, I haven't been in a classroom setting like this since I was seventeen. So um, hands cramping up, forearms are burning. But <laughs> I reckon um, even then you barely wrote. Wait, you did you? Did you do it? Seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I carried a footy to school. I, didn't take a, <laughs> I, I really did. I really did. I, I didn't take a, um, a backpack or anything. And then even in year 11, 12, I'd ask for someone for a piece of paper just to write it down. Because I, I knew what I wanted to do. And that was play footy. Um, I was told I was, I'd never make it, but um, yeah. But, you know, I think it's extremely commendable now for you to come in and do the... So everyone here has done that same, like myself included, but the three of you that did, have done this course. Like Rob did the course, he did the Cert 4, Eli did the diploma, and you did the Cert 4. Yeah, I mean... That's awesome that you're doing it, though, man. That's fucking... I love it. It's, you know, it's something that, you know, I, I still want to be involved in training and, um, you know, fitness at... You know whether it's in rugby league or or whatever but just the fact that jiu-jitsu is a part of this course is something that um i, I wasn't expecting and after finishing 40 i wanted a new challenge and i needed a new challenge and um this is it now outside of outside of uh this course, Alex has allowed me to come to your gym and um, you know participate in the sessions. Um, have you been crushing I'm people? Will have been <laughs> destroying our membership rates? No, no. I've, <laughs> I'm getting tapped out by eighty kilos, seventy-five kilo um, young dudes. But you know, still, I, I, I love it. You know, it's something that um, you know I'm, I'm a massive you know boxing. Um, MMA fan so um, yeah and jiu-jitsu was something that I've uh, over the last couple of years in particular wanted to get into and this has worked out perfect awesome where do you live well local Liverpool oh so you're all local yep. so you can come to the gym whenever yeah right, awesome alright let's wrap that up Will thank you so much for your time Rob thank you, thank you. Eli thank you, thanks a lot thank you very much